for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Y'all, the second half of the archery elk hunt in September can be absolutely magical. The herd bulls are all cowed up and the fights are on. For an archery elk hunter, the bugling action can be absolutely unbelievable. So why is it so tough to get a shot opportunity on one of those screaming big bulls? On today's show, we'll talk about the pros and cons of hunting a herd bull. And we talk about the calls and strategies to help you punch that tag when the herd bulls become the kings of September. Those topics, some of our Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our Elk Bros bell box. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from an undisclosed place in Oklahoma. That's right, big old show is on the road. And in Dallas, the DFW area, and Katy, Texas, we got the Venezuelan Mafia in the house from Las Cruces, New Mexico, one of our Elk Bros and team captains, the the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Aragon, and from Cuesta, New Mexico, the legend himself, R.C. Knox, is in the house. And from Cimarron, our elk hunting coaches are in the house, the ninja, Leroy Chavez, and WWJGD is in the house. What would Joe Gillia do? <laughs> Guys, what is up, fellas? 
Full house. Everybody turn your mics on. What's Don't up, turn boys? Your mics on, man. What's up, brothers? Yeah. Good to see you all. Just Eric. Thing. Back, dude. Yeah. Everybody that's watching, we've got Gilbert's over playing ball in Oklahoma. You know, I mean, this is a phenomenal feat here, what we're looking at. You know, you got two guys from Cimarron. RC is in Cuesta, New Mexico. Manano's in Dallas, and you know how low-tech Dallas is over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Eric's all the way down in Las Cruces. Luis over in Katy. Oh, my gosh, man. This is amazing that we're able to put this together like this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I mean, everybody's in the house and rocking and ready to go. The topics are going to be off the chart this uh, this show for sure, Joe. And uh, I know you guys are just back from Colorado, too, from yep. where we're going to be getting it done this year, right? Yep. Yeah. Cole and I um, were up in Colorado. For all you people want to know what unit the Elk Bros are going to be in, we're going to be in uh, two through 118 consecutively. So, <laughs> <laughs> Happy will travel. Oh, man. And, and so we got to go up there. And, and what's so cool about it, you know, people ask about, you know, how we scout. And really, when I go and scout, I'm really verifying more than anything. I'm, you know, I've looked at stuff on maps. I've looked on it 3D. I've done my e-scouting. And until you get boots on the ground and get that perspective and tie in what you've been looking at with what is actually there, because let me tell you what, man, it, it so happened that the areas that I thought were going to be the hot ones were not. The areas that I thought were not were. <laughs> so it was yeah and and when you end up scratching off an area you're you know that's part of your plan that's gone so i had to actually then you know develop other plans so between cole and myself i think between all of us we probably covered six or seven different units in uh in three days man and uh wow. yeah so and that cole's and, videos had some really nice uh Look, the area looks really nice for you guys. It looks like they're getting a lot of water. So, and yeah, I think you're going to have some good feed. You know what was weird about that, Eric, was you could be on the north side of a highway and there was good water, and the south side there wasn't. I mean, it was interesting how that was. So, you know, Cole was taken off from there. He was heading up to Utah for the Rocky Mountain Elk Federation World Calling Championships up there. And uh, the boy was, was in it today represented huge yeah i mean hey, did jumped into the pro division you know yeah. yeah and he went over there and, and i could have sworn i i i, I could have sworn i saw him go over there and 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 tell cory you know cory i know you wanted me first round bud but you're gonna <laughs> it's gonna you're gonna have to wait yeah no he did awesome he really did he won his first round um four to one real decisively and Cole was, they ranked these guys, and he was ranked 17th out of the competitors, and he had to go up against number three in the second round. And he lost in the second round um, two to three. And wow. it, wow. Was, it was close. <clears throat> it was tight. So um, for his first competition, you know, uh, and just going in, jumping in with the big dogs, I, you know, for you guys listening, it's that aggressiveness that has made him successful. You know, sure. and uh, and you'll hear us preach about that kind of stuff all the time. So, uh, Joe, can you tell our listeners where they can listen to Cole? 
I think um, uh, yeah. So go on to YouTube, go to the Rocky Mountain Elk Federation YouTube channel, and you can watch all of the um, all of the calling for every round of it. Man, they they streamed it live. In fact, uh, you can probably go there for the second round. Well, you guys are hearing this a week later, so it ain't going to be happening, man. So go oh, to the channel and and watch it there. So yeah. yeah. It's, Pretty friggin' cool, man. Pretty awesome. Well, it'll be arc. It should be archived where they can watch it, Joe. <laughs> oh yeah, so, it'll be on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you, you know, if you um, if you want to see guys that are working on calling for competitions, there's a lot you can pick up for there because they label everything, man. They're like, okay, we want to hear a cow estrus call. We want to hear a bull um, bark. Uh, we want to hear now a cow bark. So, you know, a lot of people looking and go, hmm, that bull bark sounds like that cow bark, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I also I also heard there was a new grunt to introduce to those people out there. So Cole had the Elk Grove soloist, man. He had the Elk Grove soloist on stage calling it. Yeah. The only thing I was disappointed in was in this round, and I hope they fix it by tomorrow, their stage microphone was not turned on. So yeah. it was really hard to hear a lot of the calls on, on there. So I was a little I was a little disappointed with that. But um, hopefully they get that fixed for the rest of it. But yeah, no, he did a great job, man. I was I was really excited about it. It was so cool to see the soloist on there, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he had me he pumped, man. I went out in the backyard and started just blowing calls, man. I was like, yeah, dude, got me fired up today. Before I shoot my bow, I'm going to do some calling. Why is, Manano, why is Manano laughing so much? <laughs> <laughs> I, got ups- I got upset. Because, yeah, because oh, okay. that Eric yeah, was practicing his calls, and you know how Manano is about anybody practicing something. Manano's like, Got it. yo, 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 I was born, bro, good. I, I, I was born in great shape. I was born being able to cow elk. <laughs> Without any diaphragm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't practice anything, man. Oh. Uh, other than killing elk and riding horses. <laughs> and, flying, and flying out of horses, too. So, flying off of horses, yeah. No, no, I, I, want you to, I want to introduce you, if you haven't already been introduced, to Mr. R.C. Knox over there. That guy is a cowboy that rides horses. And For real. The only protection they wear is a neckerchief around their... <laughs> Maybe some spurs or caps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I, I'm That's feeling okay. Good. Make fun of me. Make fun of me. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. RC haven't seen my my picture just flying in the air of the horse. Yeah, uh, but Luis can send it to him. Well, yeah, yeah, he will be glad. He will you, can, be. you can go to America's Honey, most funniest videos and you can see it. <laughs> so, so what is the name of that competition, Manano? Colito? Coleo. Coleo in Spanish. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's like, it's bull All right. So, flip, the, flip the cow by its tail. Yes, yes. But I'm is a pro. It, that when you, yeah, that's when you're taking and throwing the your foot over the tail and going the opposite direction, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Kind of. 
Yeah, yeah. that banana yeah. was he, the one that went into the opposite he, direction. <laughs> okay. Why? Why? Uh, why have I never seen to that point, Manano? I've only seen well, you like grab and fall off. Yeah, that's the, the only thing you get to see when Manano's on the horse. <laughs> you will see the picture pretty soon. He's like a 15 years old girl. He's looking the picture right now. Just make fun of it. I mean, people people are wanting to see this man now. I'm just kind of want to make sure that they do have the ability yeah, to go on their YouTube channel them. and actually, you know, check it out on YouTube. So before we move on, Manano, tell me the history behind that behind that because i've never seen that competition before what, what uh, well, well it was uh original uh created let's say created in venezuela uh because our cowboy used to manage uh the, the cattle mm -hmm. you know a big amount of cattle by i don't know three or four cowboys at a time i, I i'm probably saying i don't know thousand or i don't know two thousand heads mm -hmm. per per time. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Look at the picture right there. Let me see. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so in, uh, in, when, uh, when a bull goes out, they used to pursue the, 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 the bull and take it by the tail. And then after they just <laughs> look at that. <laughs> in my defense, in my defense, Okay. Oh, hold on, Luis. I'm, uh, Luis, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin you here so you can really show that, man. I, I want I, I want to. I don't know that I, I don't know that I'd show. Okay, you. so you're you're front and center now, Luis. <laughs> now, oh, okay. That's, no. Well, you can you can pin this one. This, so, this <laughs> where, where's okay, the cow at, bro? Where's the cow at? Okay, uh, you're gonna pin the, the bad one. The, so just pin the, the, the good one. <laughs> Show a good one, Luis. I want to see if I, you know, he says no, good. He I want to make sure he won't I see do it. that. He won't do that. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'll, I'll pin you up here. So yeah, but that's right before you fell. Well, you miss so many shots, and then you kill the milk. <laughs> so you're grabbing the tail at this point, and then what's the next move from there? Either go to the ground. <laughs> my life son and i'm gonna tell you right now the object is to stay on the bastard not you know yes, it's horrible it's horrible <laughs> so uh, okay let, let me show you the, the other one i mean this is a little cough this is not even a bull but this this sequence uh Hold on, uh, hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this. So everybody can see it. There we go. We can see it close. Okay. All right. I see grabbing the tail, and you're like over on the other side of the horse. Yeah, yeah. That's why you have to balance the weight, and then the horse will be able to pass, pass between the, the metal uh, uh, fence, mm -hmm. and then the bull. That will, that, that way you can compensate the weight, and then the, the horse will run straight. So, so what is the goal? I mean, you've grabbed the tail. What happens next to the animal? Yeah, the goal is to be able to make more points. And, and you make one point if the bull touches the ground. And then if he fails and roll over and, and beat up. Back, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, it'll be double. It'll be two points. So this is basically WWF with moo cows, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, back backwards. <laughs> It is bulldogging. You're trying to put the suplex on them. You're trying to. Yeah, here's yeah. another one. All right, hold on, man. I'll, I'll, let me see that. 
it's after Oh, okay. Manano, did you still get the negative point if the bull doesn't fall? No. Yeah, so they, more... they go from the back. Real cowboys go from the front. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Beto, I want to see you riding my horse, and then we can ride that horse. And like so the, the SPCA <laughs> hasn't come after y'all, man. For <laughs> I, don't, I won't even start that, dude. I'm sorry, man. I shouldn't even. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, we actually. Uh, it's a good point, Joe. We are trying to create the National Association of Coleo here in US. So oh, that's cool. a big point. That's a big point right there. So uh -huh. uh, we have been advised for several uh, uh, attorneys in the cutting horse uh, uh, field. Uh -huh. So yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a great point you brought. Uh, but uh, we have so many support right now from old Venezuelans coming in. Yeah, everybody is replicating the the you know the bull tailing arena like we, we call it mangas, mm -hmm. but it's like a, the it's similar to the lienzos like a Mexican lienzos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really similar but longer. It's uh, it's about two hundred. 40, 250 yards, the whole arena. It's just a straight. So 200, 200, uh, 240, and uh, by 15 or 14 uh -huh. yards. Oh, wow. Narrow. So, so yeah, just, it's really narrow. Bro, just I, I'm watching that. Y'all didn't have any rope in Venezuela? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but can you imagine roping 500, 1,000 head? And, it's, yeah. uh, you have to you have to bull tail and all of them it's easier <laughs> uh, yeah giving you a hard time man i mean all that stuff uh, trying to grab the tail on the other side of the horse man i, I don't know i've seen rc with a rope and it kind of works a little better so uh, <laughs> he will do great <laughs> awesome <laughs> let's rock this gilbert Guys, you know what time it is. It's time for our Elk Bro shout-outs. If you're new to our show, let's just shout-out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. Yeah, and before we get on that, and I always interrupt, I know, before we get there, but, guys, we're going to start out with a special shout-out from Greg Bobrowich of Manitoba, Canada. And he sent in a letter that um, – I just had to put on, it wasn't video shout out, but this was a cool shout out. So he says, first guys, I want to say great podcast. Always enjoyable listening to you guys and your down to earth approach to elk hunting and providing invaluable info. It's your style of teaching and positive attitude that keeps me listening and wanting to hear all your guys' ideas and suggestions. And Manano is always good for a good-hearted laugh. <laughs> I was listening to your guys' story and Chav's fight with cancer, and that inspired me to give the shout-out to my dad, Charlie Bobrowich, Bobrowich, who is this year 81 years old. He is a prostate cancer survivor of over 15 years, heart attack survivor, and was given few months to live over eight years ago from mesothelioma, which he still lives with, but is in remission. These stories inspire me and help remind when I get really down on myself for not being successful in harvesting an elk that there is more to success than putting an elk on the ground that makes a great hunt. He puts on a lot of miles every year with me in the Elkwood scouting, cutting trails, and elk hunting. I want to give a shout out to grinders like me and my dad out there. I guess in a way I'm also sending a shout out to you guys as well. 
thanks again from a fellow elk chaser. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Awesome, Greg. Thanks so much. Right, thank, you. thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, Greg, thank you for that. Uh, yeah, it's just really, you know, we start doing these podcasts and we get so tied up and stuff with everything about, you know, we try to get people all the stuff about being able to kill an elk and, you know, all these methods that sometimes the message, sometimes the purpose, sometimes the reality and, and the depth of everything and the reason why we do what we do gets missed. And you, know, you remember when we were hunting a couple of years ago, we ran across a, a guy and his dad and his dad was in his eighties yeah. and he was up there with us hunting. And it was so cool to see that uh, elderly man still getting after it, calling it out, man. It was yep. really cool to listen to him. Really, I, you know, the stuff that guy's gone through in his life and the stories he could tell and the stuff he could teach is just amazing. Yes, sir. Um, Absolutely. Pretty cool. Pretty cool to see guys like that still. And, and you still can hold, 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 around the wood. whole different perspective, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I, you do get a whole different perspective, and, and you know, this week's been a challenge. For me as well, we lost one of our matriarchs in our family, man, a uh, patriarch. I mean, he was an icon in the Lucas side of my family. He was my grandfather's best friend. And W.I. Lucas was his name, Wilburn Lucas. And uh, <clears throat> 94 years old, fellas. I mean, the long guy lived a great, long life. Yep. He helped mold me as the, in the man I am today. Uh, it'd be unbelievably missed by many, but him and my grandfather and my uncle Skeeter and all of our loved ones that are in heaven. Uh, I mean, he's, he's with Jesus tonight and we are, we're thankful for that. Yeah. We mourn, mourn his loss down here, but I can't wait to see him on the other side. So shout out <clears> to my, my great uncle Wilburn and we, uh, we'll be seeing you again on the other side. W.I. Absolutely. They called him cowboy. Jeff. That was his name. His nickname was cowboy. That's cowboy. Cool cowboy that's cool so with that said next up guys we're going to give you a little bit more of some aged wisdom here we're going to start our shout outs with a tip from the old billy goat himself hey guys this is the old billy goat here i'd like to give you a tip this week on safety these guys talk a lot about spending time in the woods after dark or before it gets light so it's dark in the woods one thing I find that is extremely helpful when you're out there at that time is safety glasses, guys. There's all kinds of safety glasses. They're cheap, they can save your eyes. These, if you don't have glasses, these will go over your glasses, this style here. Very inexpensive, $12 or less a pair. Well worth it. What happens is you get out there and it's dark out there and your light, it's funnel. And you're watching the ground, you're not paying a lot of attention and a lot of those branches, you're twisting and turning through the woods, poke you personal experience i had a branch hit me here go all the way up to here and left a big old scrape an inch higher it would have been my eyeball safety glasses are a must especially at night that's your tip from the old billy goat stay safe <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. awesome that's yeah, a great good tip, tip man that's a great that's tip right there yep yeah yep. keep them in the glove box of my mule all the time too i might have to put them in my backpack i got you covered manana i already carry uh safety glasses on my back <laughs> you know, I, know I know you won't ever put one even though you're saying right now it's a great tip and you never carry one in your pack i got you covered that's <laughs> true too that, that's that's yeah, true yeah but you, yeah. you know now, for our top <laughs> listening season, i want you to lead us off bro <laughs> Okay, uh, this week's top listening city is located at the base of the Wasatch Mountains and 13 miles from Salt Lake City. 
This area was frequented by the nomadic Paiute, Shoshone, and Bannock Indians. And for those of you hunting elk in Utah, this is a great place to send your wife while you are chasing elk. It's home to shops at Southtown Shopping Mall, a huge mall with 150 stores and restaurants. And this is in Sandy, Utah. Sandy, Utah. Yeah. Shout out to Sandy. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy, man. It's even, you know, they had to have a shopping mall. It's even named Sandy, right? I mean, <laughs> Sandy, Sandy made her own store there. Boy, that's awesome. <laughs> Manano. I used to go to I used to go to Camp Williams there. Camp Williams in Sandy, Utah, man. It's a what is training that? center for them. Oh yeah. There's a training center, yeah, for uh for artillery, all kinds of stuff. I went to uh primary leadership development course for the army. And uh we'd go out to the artillery range and they'd have these wheat fields and you couldn't hunt because of military. And all you'd see is these big trophy, huge muleys, man. And these wheat fields would just kill me. I'm like, hey, can we hunt these? Nope. No. It's like here around Joe's house, man. He feeds them yeah. <laughs> with the mule the year. Oh, yeah. Some apples and everything, dude. Oh, like, he come here and I have me a little ball peen hammer ready for him. Come here and get this apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Right. Okay, our next listening city is a suburb of Chicago and was first settled by German immigrants in the mid-19th century. Home of Donald's famous hot dogs. Every Tuesday, you can get the Italian sausage special with fries for only $6. Local attractions include the Wolf Road Prairie Preserve and Brookfield Zoo. This is going to Westchester, Illinois. Westchester, Illinois. Midwest going up, Joe. You know what, bro? I always give time with some of his words. I'm not doing it anymore. You know why? Thank you. He gets Italian like boom. I mean, it's like Italian sausage, man. Bro, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. Because he likes to eat it, Joe. <laughs> if you're yeah. around, he'll feed I'm you. Not a, I don't have any beaches today. <laughs> <laughs> you Next, up, beaches. <laughs> Next up, Joe, because of the Iowa caucuses, five sitting presidents had visited our next top listening city. The name comes from the Native American Sac and Fox language. Um, Meskawak. Mes- Good luck, bro. Meskwaki. Yeah. So the English translation is refers to the Apanusa Rapids of the nearby Des Moines River and Tumbling Waters in Otumwa, Iowa. Otumwa, Iowa. Otumwa, Iowa. Yeah, that is one name I have heard, Atumwa. I've heard Atumwa a yeah. ton of times. So. <laughs> <laughs> Midwest Brothers is showing out, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, the Midwest is just kicking. I mean, we're rocking with the next one because this city is nestled in the rolling hills of East Central Ohio, where the Tuscarawas and the Wahanding Rivers, forming the Muskingum River, also nicknamed Crow Shockton and Crow Town because of the tens of thousand crows that fly to the area every year. It is also the birthplace of the specialty advertising industry, latex coated gloves, and March of Dimes, among many other industries in Coshocton, Ohio. Coshocton, Ohio. Look, 
I went through all those names like I knew what I was doing, but I have no clue if I hit any of them. <laughs> no, you, you nailed it, Joe. Oh, man. I was like, do not slow down because the tongue is going to give up at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you got to follow, man. Let's see how you do. Oh, this is going to be awesome. Uh, this is a great town in southwest Colorado, and it's known for its hot springs. So you can go elk hunting, and then you can get a hot soak the same day, which is a nice way to clean yourself off. But it's surrounded by some real rugged mountains known as the San Juan Mountains, and it's got national forests that are known for great elk hunting. Uh, it's trout-laden San Juan River flows to this city, and nearby Wolf Creek uh, is a huge ski attraction. So I want to give a big elk bro shout out to Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and I'll see you all there next Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. Up there next Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. There's a place I think it's called Rita's, but they got a pizza joint over there that is dynamite. So (laughs) there's a barbecue place right there on the main highway too. Remember, Chav, that bus, that big barbecue place went there was just out. It was yep, a, it's across from the hospital. Boss. I don't remember the name, but it was good. Yeah, it was really good, man. But Pagosa Springs is just awesome. Are you going to go soak, man? No, no soaking. It's all work. <laughs> but I wish. All right. <laughs> well, let's jump into the topic for tonight, guys. And I, I want everybody to know that tonight's topic was inspired by a question from our listener, Brady Bull. I mentioned his name last week of Corpus Christi, Texas. Number one, dang, with that name, man, I mean, all all I got was Joe. This guy's like Brady Bull. That's the coolest thing. So um, what I'm going to do is Brady sent in some scenarios that were part of a question, and he starts out with a question. So I'm going to read these out, and then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the pros and cons of hunting herd bulls, some calls and strategies, and then we're going to revisit and work out his scenarios, okay? So we got to make sure that that we know that we're going to do that. So this gives you a chance to to hear the scenario and as we talk about things about hunting herd bulls then maybe even you guys that are listening could work out how you would have handled them okay he says he sends in his letter and says i have some questions about specific events that occurred last year at the end of september and how i could have handled it better the questions revolve around the big seven by seven that got away several times what would you guys have done in these scenarios in the first encounter and he gives us three encounters we saw this bull from across a canyon the morning prior we took all day to hike down pack another spike camp and then ascend 2,000 feet to his level god bless you guys we got there about two hours before dark and immediately found him and ate cows he was constantly bugling and hooking his cows i made an approach sliding across a barren hillside above them to play the wind and made it to 80 yards before he decided to then take them to water water that we didn't know was there then i slipped in behind them and dogged them for about half a mile at 60 yards but just could never get a clear shot there were always cows between him and us so question one in this scenario is what sound could i have made in this situation that wouldn't sound odd being that they just passed through the area and i was behind the cows to get this bull in So that's his first question. Second encounter. 
we camped very close to where, and this is the next time, we camped very close to where we initially saw him. We could hear that 7x7 seven seven bugling all night long, only a quarter mile away. We had no intentions on covering ground that morning, so we slept until about 30 minutes before daylight because we were just going to make a short play on the 7x7 seven seven again in the same area. Just before daylight, we heard rocks falling from a slide about 300 yards from our camp opposite of the 7x7. I shot up and got ready and made my way up to a little canyon to see a big 5x5 following a cow and a calf. As soon as I was in position, I signaled to my partner and he started cow calling. The 5x5 started my way and began bugling in response to both our cow calling and the 7x7 bugling. The 5 by 5 was undecided on which direction to go, and I was too far below him to get right between the bulls at that time. I pulled a huge rookie mistake and got anxious as he fell into a dip and out of sight. I didn't realize that he hung up on a rock bluff and he spotted me as I peeked over. Then he ran back across the canyon as he kept bugling. What I didn't know at the time was the big 7x7 had actually come to confront the 5x5 and had just accidentally dropped off at my exact elevation. I was still watching the 5x5 and the tree behind me in a very thick cover when the tree behind me in very thick cover started shaking. The 7x7 was 25 yards from me and started walking directly at me because I was between him and the other bull. I drew back and waited. The bull walked to 10 yards behind a huge, low-growing pine. He stopped so that I could only see his daggum nose in his fronts and then decided to turn back around and go up the hill into fresh, young, thick aspens. I realized that he got to where he saw the other bull and realized that that bull was no longer a threat, being that the 5x5 was now going away. And even though the 7x7 never busted me, that was the end of the encounter. So his reaction then led me to my decision for the third encounter. Now, guys, I want you to remember that really huge right there in that last part, because I really want to talk about that. So I thought the 7x7 bull would react to confrontation because of how he reacted to the 5x5. So on the third encounter with him, we never saw the 7x7 the rest of the day. We're not trying to push the area as it was early in the hunt. So the next morning, we decided to leave camp at daylight and still hunt until we got so some water or to some water about a mile away. Almost to the water, I let out a couple of cow calls. Nothing. After a few minutes, I did a small bugle to see if I could get a response from the water. Boom, the 7x7 seven seven sounded off about a quarter mile above us. He had an extremely raspy bugle that I still remember. We had to fall back and let the wind switch as it did every day. And then after an hour, we moved up the hill and began to find their trail and fresh sign. We ascended another 600 feet and knew we were close. I had already decided I was going to challenge him just like that 5x5 five five did the day before. Well, once we got up high, we got to a little knoll and the elk had just dropped off below us. Two of his cows were in thick brush and doggone if 
We saw them the same time that they saw us 60 yards below and left. They busted out and began trotting away. So I took a risk and immediately threw out a challenge bugle as if I was a bull coming in and startled the cows. The 7x7 responded on cue, but I guess the sound I made was a roundup because instead of coming at me, he took his herd and moved quickly into some aspens about a half mile away, and then they stayed there the rest of the day. What would you have done in these scenarios? So we have a lot of information there. It's going to give us something to really, as we talk about this, um, it's going to give us a way to go back and then talk about those scenarios because I think a lot of guys end up in some of these situations just like this. So before we get into really talking about hunting herd bulls or hunting around herd bulls or trying to get an elk when there are herd bulls, I, I want to give everybody some behavioral information to make sure that you have this as a base. Number one, remember, it's the cows that choose the bull to breed, not the other way around. And this is something a lot of people don't know. A lot of people think when there's a herd bull that that is the only dude that is breeding the cows. Not the case, right? Nope. Nope. They're going to be bred by several bulls. Several bulls. And depending on how many mature bulls are in the area, I mean, it could be up to four or more bulls. And that's why all those bulls are screaming around there because they are still setting a pecking order who's next in line, man, and trying to impress that cow to allow – them to breed her okay um another point it's the cows the lead cow mostly that determines where and when they go the bull can rush it he can hook them he can push them he can prod them just like cowboys behind a herd do the same thing but it is going to be that cow that is going to determine where they go okay calf sounds muse lost calf or even lost cow calls are best to get a response without giving a herd bull a reason to push his herd. And we're going to discuss that a little bit more. Herd bulls are going to respond to bugles with either a fight or flight response, right? That's right. And and that's going to depend on proximity and placement. Remember those two Ps, proximity and placement, because that's another thing that we want to talk about there. Guys, how can we tell? First of all, if we have a bull that answers out there, we hear a bull bugle, what are some of the ways that we can know if a herd bull or if it is a herd bull with cows? What are some of the things that give that away? Frequency, location. Explain. Yeah, so maybe, I mean, you can be listening to him bugle from one same spot, but it's it's the frequency of his bugle. So, you know, maybe he's got a cow that's barely starting to, Coming to estrus, mm-hmm. you'll be hearing them a little bit more frequently stay in the area, the time of day, if you know they're heading up to a bed in their location, things like that. Or you could have one that's, you know, he's defending. He's got a cow that's, you know, they're real close, but th- that frequency and you can hear the herd around up there. If he's, if he's going off a lot and really being aggressive with other bulls around him, then, uh, then that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, most, mostly what you said, that if you're hearing those bugles, and especially, look, we're talking late season, okay? Yeah. If, if we're talking herd bulls, we're talking from September 18th on, right? Correct. 
right. everybody in agreement there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there there can be small bulls that think they're a herd bull early on in the season, but they're really not, right? And so these guys, when you start getting on a bull after the 18th and he's bugling from a park and he's really cranking, you can pretty much tell it that's a hurt bull right there, just like you said. Now, the only problem, Eric, that especially I when he, Especially, Joe, when he's bugling at other bugles. Yeah. If and, you're close enough, you'll hear the glunking, too. Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. point. You'll hear him glunking a yeah. bunch. If you're close yeah. enough to hear any glunking, you know that bull has cows. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely right, um, and I think, and uh, I think glunking is something that a lot of people don't do enough of out there. It's uh, it's it's something that uh, is easy to do, and I don't think a lot of people do it. RC, what would you say? I mean, because everybody knows that one of the toughest bulls to call in is a herd bull. Yeah. Why? Because he's content. Well, he's got his cows and he's probably got a satellite or two right there with him. And he hates to leave because the satellites are going to move in. And he's just, you know, why would you leave it? Yeah, he's trying to protect <laughs> what he's got. He's trying to protect what he's got, right? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And trying to conserve energy probably too. In the process, that's right. Yeah, you know, and also, I guess if if – and, and again, if you're starting to use bugles to bring him in, you know, he may take the route of, I don't want to confront. I want to push the cows away. 100%. Go away. Right. You, you got to call his cows to you. Yeah. No. And, you know, I, I think Chav brought up a point that a lot of people overlook, too, is that these mature um, herd bulls are masters at trying to conserve energy. Because I can oh, tell you yes. this. From early September until the end of September, they're going to lose about 200 pounds in body weight just from being run ragged trying to keep other bulls away from their cows, man. Yeah. I mean, kind of like Beto before elk season. <laughs> run ragged. Just, uh, <laughs> run ragged. Freaking, yeah. <laughs> run ragged. I mean, he's looking good. Beto's looking I good. Go I saw him in Dallas, go man. I'm trying to get your break. Beto, Beto is looking good, bro. Yeah, you saw him in Dallas, huh? Yeah, saw him yeah. in Dallas. Ah, okay. Looking looking ready. All right, man, that's what I want to hear. Manano's mm-hmm. out there getting the miles on, practicing with his diaphragm call. and. <laughs> <laughs> how does it negative, Roger? How, how does it negative what? Negative Ghost Rider. Ghost Never. Rider. <laughs> me, me and Manano may be re- work, uh, going together. I'm going to bring horses. That would be awesome. I'm gonna bring horses. There you go. Be awesome. RC, are you actually going to bring horses? Yes. Are you? I've got somebody that can ride, so (laughs) I can ride too. No, you 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 can. Manana has no clue. I was riding horses when he was in diapers. No, 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 you boys weren't even born when I was riding. Yeah, that's right. I agree. I agree. All on you're really bad. All right. So the the thing about the the herd bulls that I want everybody to realize is what RC says. They already have their cows, right? So if you go and you use a cow call from 200 yards, why is he going to come to you? If not. He's been having satellite bulls 
on his six, on his 12, on his nine, on his mm-hmm. eight for day in, day out. So when you're out there bugling at him or throwing a scream and bugle, right. you're just another white noise out there that's been harassing him. So that's why we talk about proximity and stuff like that. They're, they're, and then it's hard to get up close on them because now if they've got if they got eight cows, if they have 10 cows, they have 20 cows, they have eight cows, they got 16 sets of eyes there, man, you know? Mm-hmm. So that makes it tough. It's just, yeah. they are in a good situation. And but, then if you're trying to call him with cow sounds, it's mm-hmm. like, is it really worth risking 10 cows after, you know, for going to get this one cow? And that might not be the case. And I guess that's the reason why you would rather pull the cows away. Uh, You know, you work with the cows instead of working directly at the bull. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that strategy, but there's also what's that bro. Say it again. Especially in the first encounter. Yeah. And and he was doing the right thing. So Joe, he knew that there was a herd bull there with a herd. He was trying to get in silent and that is that is probably the most deadly way to kill him is to get in there and never say a word, especially if that right. sounding right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but here's the thing that I want you to to because a lot of us we're picturing in our mind when we talk about that bull is bugling and about making a move, we are picturing either first thing in the morning or we're picturing late in the evening. But there is a time of day when you can pull that bull off his cows because he knows exactly where there are and he's content with where they are. And that's midday once he has them bedded. So there are different things that are happening when he's going to a destination and when he's coming from a destination. So like, for example, one thing that I I want everybody to understand is, is that when a bull is in the morning, when those cows are going to bed, they're going. But in the evening, it's a lot more of a meander before they get down to that part. It it takes them, they're not moving as fast to get there. Have you found that, RC, or or am I wrong with that? Uh, No, you're perfectly right. And I was going to make the comment, I've called some herd bulls in by not necessarily calling him, but calling his cow, calling like a lost calf. Yep. Or something like that. And the cows are go bananas and that here they come. And if you can call them cows in, guess what? Here he's going to come too. Yes. Yeah. And if you can get between him and the cows. Yeah. Right? So, so you, you guys it. have already jumped ahead on me to strategies, man. We were like already. Sorry. <laughs> but you're absolutely you right. You keep poking it, man. We're just going to, you know, we're going to keep bringing it on. But and the reason I don't want to give the strategies right away is I, I, got you. I, I, yeah, I want, I want us to make sure people understand and so that they can actually develop their own strategies from this. So what, what are the elk behaviors that we can take advantage of when it comes to a herd bull? In other words, and, and guys, let's not just talk about a herd bull. Let's broaden that like Gilbert just did to cows and even satellites. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the 
very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Base Camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. What are elk behaviors that we as hunters can take advantage of during, you know, with a herd bull or with his cows or with, or with, uh, with those satellites? I'll give you an example. Um, a herd bull uh, is trying to protect his herd, and he wants to breed, right? Yep. Okay. Is there something we can do to take advantage of that? So we just got to keep that in idea. Because a lot of times, another thing he does is he has to constantly be displaying to his cows. Because remember, the cows determine who they're going to breed with. So he has to constantly be displaying to them that, hey, who's the daddy? I am here. So he's raking trees. He's running around. You know, he's following them. So that's a behavior. Um, Cows. What is it that the cows are doing at the time, you know, that we take advantage of? And what, I mean, in other words, you said it exactly, um, RC, cows have maternal instinct. They have, they have herd instinct. So this is something we can take advantage of. What about satellite bulls? Satellite bulls want a breed, one of those cows, but they're getting their butt kicked all the time. Yeah, they're opportunistic, man. Yes, they like to, they like to scent check, so they're going to yeah. scent check a lot. So, yep. And if they have been getting their butt beat all night long by this herd bull and they're not able to get in, they might be looking for some lower hanging fruit. One hundred percent. Yeah. Every, every time. So this is what I'm talking about: behaviors that we can take advantage of, and that's how you develop your strategies. That's that's how you know how to find the weakness like the behavior of that bull because he has to demonstrate to those cows is he's sounding off all the time 
He's sounding off. He's sounding off. So as a hunter, that allows us at least to place him to do what Gilbert said. He, he's making all the noise. We can shut up and we can get inside there. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Looking at the advantages, guys, that the bull has, how does it affect this? If you use cow calls to engage and try to pull him in. Depends on what kind of cow call. Right. In proximity too. Yeah, in proximity. How close we are into him and then what kind of cow call. Are we going to use a a lost cow call or an estrus cow call or or are we going to use a calf call? I mean, there's a lot of different calls that you can use when you're in depending on your proximity how close you are to do you got eyes on him i mean are are you not have eyes on him uh i mean i think for for 100 we always want to start out be a lover and not a fighter you know Mm -hmm. Uh, because the minute you challenge him it changes the whole game Uh, and you don't have to i mean if you got eyes on him and it's obviously in his first encounter he had eyes on you know he was seeing so you, you can tell exactly what he's responding to, you know, and, and if he's chow, you know, if there's bulls sounding off around you, satellites or whatever, and he goes and slams his head into a tree and blows that tree up. Now he's starting to get a little worked up, you know? Yeah. So everything that you do should be predicated off what you're seeing and hearing. Okay. You know? So let's, let's say, let's take this example. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's going from early morning. Uh, it's moving on. The cows have started moving up the hill. The bull is behind. He's advertising because he wants uh, them to know the location that he has, right? And you're back behind, and you're cow calling at that bull. How effective is that going to be? No, it ain't. It ain't going to be. He's going, man. You better you better get around him and side hilling, <laughs> you know. You yeah. you gonna have to Start get on that ball. Yeah, you, you're not gonna turn him around. He's not gonna leave his her his harem to come back for one cow, right? No. That's unless that's... unless none of those unless he believes a cow's in estrus, mm-hmm. and none of his are, right? I know we've seen that happen. Yeah, but he, those probably weren't herd bulls where we've seen that happen. Right. Yeah, right? and that they might be earlier. Sing, they were just singles. So yeah, that might be earlier him, in the season. It is. Yeah. 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 And yeah. It's, it's, it's nine, if it's nine, nine thirty with that lead cow. Yeah, so depending the, on the time of the morning. Yeah, if it's nine, nine thirty, you know they're going to their bed and you ain't stopping them. Just yeah. get on there, get up and move. You better put that pack on and be hauling tail and trying to keep up, keep the so, wind in your favor. But and and where in what position to bed. hauling those guys, man? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna follow them, you want to follow behind them. Do you want to? Where do you want to follow? Parallel. I want to parallel them. Parallel. Yeah. Um, parallel. Yeah. So, but, but good luck in some of that country. <laughs> yeah. So, but use your maps. You know, you got your maps. That's a perfect time yeah. to be looking at that area to see. Hey, this looks like a place to be going to bed and to spend a lot of time listening and and uh, you know you can work your way through those yeah, areas. You could get around. You could get around over the top of him. You know, if you go yeah. around him and get over the top of him. Keep, keep hearing him you can almost drop in there silent on him when the thermal switch mm-hmm. you can always you can almost get in there silent on him that's, and that's come in from definitely above. an opportunity and what that's I want- how i killed that bull behind me Gilbert. that's how i killed that bull behind me that herd yeah. bull right there exactly did that so yeah 
they got to where they were taken off to the bender and I knew I had to get around them. I went up top and I, I cut the distance on them and I got to where exactly where I thought he'd be. And I mean, luckily I didn't move. I, they were kind of bedding out in some, on the side of a hill, but, uh, that's exactly what I did. And then so I was just you, looking and listening. Did you put the Mohican sneaking on him or, or did you call him in? I, well, I've been calling him, but he was, he was doing exactly that. He was at herd bull. He was pushing his cows. They were gone. It was that time of the morning. Right. But I had, a, I know the area pretty well. So I had a good idea where I thought he was going to be, but the thermals were bad. So I had to go all the way around, but I, I just raced to catch up to this top. And I, by, you know, I'll just call it luck or whatever, but I, I went to the exact spot where I last heard them and they weren't 50 yards, but I got between him and his cows. And at that oh. point, yeah, Over. he was done. No, it definitely yeah. wasn't luck, Eric, because no, it's pure luck, skill. Luck no. is nothing but skill and opportunity meeting. And you created yeah. the opportunity by a lot of people would have said, Oh, they're out of there. You know, they're running away from me. You know, I'm scaring them off. And a lot of people, when they hear a bull moving away, they think that their calling has scared that bull off. And that's not the case. But here's what I want to do I want to give our listeners an idea of what this looks like. So you have a bull and generally that bull is going to be in tow behind because those cows that lead cow is going to take off and start taking them to bed so imagine this you got a group of cows that start heading from an open park or a feed area or their night bed going into the trees moving up or in whatever area they're moving to go to bed and as they move that bull starts to follow he starts feeding he hears other bulls behind he's ready for those harassers he sounds off and those cows are continually walking then he looks up and those cows are at a distance he moves ahead he, he might even jog ahead a little bit catches up with his bulls now if you are trying to follow this group from behind them <clears throat> then what's going to happen is there's going to be stragglers. It could be spikes, there could be raghorns, or it could just be the bull. You end up coming in behind and you see that bull, you're not able to get up on him because he's checking his back trail as they're going. And he's standing there, so you're locked up. Meanwhile, while you and that bull are locked up, what is his cows doing? Moving up the hill. So they've moved up the hill. He decides, oh, oh, where are they? And he goes, and he is bugling constantly as he's doing it to let those cows know where he is, his proximity, so that everything kind of stays together as well. And he can hear their light responses. So especially, let's say that you have a spike man that is trailing there, and this happens all the time, and all of a sudden you see a spike, and it locks you down. That bull is moving ahead. He's stopping every now and then. Those cows are moving ahead way further, and it makes it seem to you like they ran up the mountain. When they really didn't run up the mountain, one group was already doing it. You were standing in place while they were moving, and you know, it's just like trying to chase a horse that's out of canter. When that bull decides to turn and go with them, he's up there. So, guys, like you said, man, at that point, the best thing to do is to be paralleling and trying to actually be in front, kind of like what, and I don't mean in front of them so that the thermals are coming down, but ahead on the parallel so that you can set yourself up better with that. So I, I, I want people to understand how those animals are moving up and why being behind is putting you behind the eight ball. 
how much are location bugles or any bull noises from 100 and 200 yards away going to help you on that bull moving up? I just think the more bull sounds you make to him, just going to make him want to go further and keep pushing. You know, um, I, I think you don't need to make any bull sounds. So this is where I want to bring up proximity and placement. If they're not on the move and you've caught them early enough in the morning. Yeah. And you're able to get in his bubble. I mean, yeah, then you can do it. Yeah. And, and yeah. at that point, if you make a bull noise, if you do a challenge bugle, you're, you're going to have one or two things happen. Yeah. yeah. He's either going to run off or he's going to come fight you. Exactly. Right? And you can, you, and you know, you can do before you even make a big bull noise, you can bull noise. You can start raking a tree and do a little bit of panting, some glunking, and then see what happens. So you Gilbert, know, what you, you just ever... said, what you just said is huge right there, man. Yes. And okay. Right. So let, let me, let me paint the that. picture though. Let's say that you are um, out in front with the herd bull in front of, in between you and his herd and you're going to make a bull noise, like a glunk or something like that, or even a bugle. Now let's take it the other way. Let's take you and flip-flop you on the backside or on one of the sides of the herd with that bull over here, now doing a glunk or a pant or a rake. If you're in front and the bull's between you and the herd, how hard is it for him to turn and push? Yeah, easy, super easy. easy. Yeah. yeah, if you're on his side or uh, on the other right. side, it's very hard for him to do that. Yeah, because he's gonna split his herd when he turns them. Man, if he hears you on the other side and you're glunking, you're panning. What does that tell that bull? There's another bull coming. Playing for his cows. Yes, yeah. sir. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you guys had a harem and you guys were standing over there on the front in your front chair, man, and all of a sudden you heard a guy going, "Oh, baby, oh, baby," over there, and oh, what are you gonna do, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Manano, you don't have to answer that, bro. Had a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Manano, you gonna let anybody mess with your harem, man? Oh no, man! I'm gonna let you be. <laughs> He's following Joe. <laughs> He's, yeah. Joe says, "I'm just gonna ask Joe." Just say, "I'm gonna tell it. Joe how far away he is." But I'm telling you, if you get yeah. in on, if you get in close proximity and you start making some breeding noises, that guy is—he has to put up or shut up at that point. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and All don't right. be surprised. Don't. I mean. I, I, we're talking about hunting a herd bull, but don't be surprised when you kick that off that you don't have them satellites just about run you over. God damn I mean, they, Absolutely. They, they are, they're about dumb as a bag of hammers when it starts getting rolling. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, when you, when you make sounds like another bull coming in there, those satellites are going to come looking. It's in spikes and everything else. They're going to come looking. So Chav, I want you to describe when we were on that hunt, when I shot the the bull with the drop time, the drop time there, the drop time, yeah, you got the chance to see something firsthand because you saw how many bulls together? Oh, seven, seven or nine, <laughs> a lot. So when that big guy started sounding off, what were the other bulls doing? Well, three of them started to circle around, make a big circle. Uh, heading in your direction and until they saw me and then they just kind of sc uh, scattered away.
uh, the other four or five just stayed with the big bull. And, uh, you know, they he, they would bugle on occasion, or the big one would bugle on occasion. I don't think the other ones were. So and, what happened to them when, when he came to me? Because I never saw the other ones. What happened to them? What happened to them? Uh, they kind of uh, lingered around for a while, and then they kind of started that motion again to come around and see what's happening. So they but were when, more cautious and while he was moving in. Yeah. Yeah, when you uh, raked the tree, I mean, he just turned around and ripped a tree, a good one, and then came came jogging, you know, by me. So, uh, <laughs> But the other ones still played it cautious, but were still interested to see what's going on. They wanted to see what's going to happen. So, but they, you know, they came around. The first three I thought were the smarter ones of the rest of the group, you know, because they came around real wide. The other ones were kind of came around, but not quite as wide. They wanted to see the action, see what was going to happen. And I think those were the ones that kept coming in afterwards. Because after I killed the bull, there was a little bit of a time gap before between, you know, when you and I got together. And then... It was funny. We never made another noise, but all of a sudden, bulls started running into the area. Yeah. You know, so it was like... Every they, time we turn around, here comes a different bull. Yeah. Silently. Silently, yeah. Yeah. So those satellite bulls are out there lingering, and and man, I tell you, like, like Gilbert said... Just because you have a herd bull doesn't mean you have to kill the herd bull. You're going to have opportunities at some great satellite bulls. Be ready. Yeah. Be ready when yeah. you're when you're making those opportunities. Be ready, man, because they will waltz right in there un unannounced, and they'll be standing in your in your wheelhouse when you turn to look. I mean, um, and they are so good at coming in silent and not making a sound. You know, um, especially when you got the wind right and everything else. It's it's uncanny how they'll how they'll slip in there on you. I've had them walk up fifty yards behind me. Everybody's looking in the wrong direction, you know. So, pretty cool. So yeah, I was dumb in my I was dumb in my early hunting where I that's all I wanted to kill was herd bulls, and I would yeah. call in these satellites and and close 10, 12 yards, and I was passing them up. And then I was going home empty-handed because I couldn't kill this herd bull. Like <laughs> I've gotten waste now. It's like if it's if it's in missile range, it's dead. I don't care if it's got horns or not. It don't matter. Yeah, you it's both, like, you brother. Put me in that freezer, buddy. Yeah, me, but, bro. Uh, I'm an equal opportunity elk yeah. harvester. So I'm gonna yeah. unleash the kraken. I'm gonna let you guys talk about the techniques or what you think or the ways to be able to kill a herd bull now. So let's rock. What's, what's some of those ways that you were talking about? Silent assassin, baby. Uh, that's, In there. That, that would be my, that would be my, my. You never know you're uh, there. If you can get between him and the cows and yeah. do it silently, yeah. you never have to say a word. I know there's no point in being silent when you smell like perfume a mile out, man. Look, Kevin, no, <laughs> I've done it. Uh, several times man just don't have to say anything we had to pique their interest a little bit and make a few little cow sounds to get them to come back they knew something wasn't right but we got right in there in the mix of a giant big old herd of elk and you know it wasn't a herd bull but it was a satellite bull and we, we there were seven eight of them you know all together and some bigger ones and some smaller ones but we didn't give a dad gum about how big they were we just needed one of them to get dumb and they finally did you know, but you got to be patient. 
You know, you can't um, patient and have real good wind. Uh, and then uh, for me, the silent deal is better on a bigger bull like that if you can get in between him and cows. Yeah. It, it, if, if you're going to kill a herd bull, sometimes uh, letting him sound off. If you see a herd bull that's raking. Yeah. You know, that's a great opportunity yeah. to move in on. And, and, I'm, and I'm talking about that early in the year too, Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're not so fired up, you know, um, you get him around that second, third week of September, even closer to the first week in October. And that's a different a horse of a different color. Yeah. So, RC, you, you mentioned one way of pulling the cows to you, right? So, right. using calf calls to do that? Yeah, just a, a lost calf. And, and different cow calls. Yeah. I think that uh, one of the things that I, in his scenario on this, on his second encounter, mm-hmm. you know, he said he drew and he had him within 10 yards. And I'm going, well, does he need to, I mean, move? You've got to, no. you know, you got to create your shot. I mean, if he's got a, shoulder i mean moved where you got that better shot if he i mean he may have been too thick of timber i don't know but uh yeah, like I, frontal and not made any attempt to stop him with a little cow call right got him at 10 12 yards frontal well i i tell you what here's i i always go back to jeremiah johnson on this one because in the end he says that he let the bull walked off. He let him walk off because the bull realized that the five by five was now going away, so the threat was gone. Um, I don't understand why he still didn't try to act like Turn another small bull in the air. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I go back to Jeremiah Johnson when he's trying to shoot that elk on the mountain. He's walking behind the horse, and he's like, "Well, he's going yeah. to see my legs," and he's like. Well, elk can't count. So they don't have legs, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean it's not like that it's not like that bull would have known there's not another bull in there. I mean, if if there was a five by five bugling that brought him in the first time, I'd have definitely gone to it trying to bring him in again. Turn that grunt too. So behind. would you have bugled at him or would you have been displaying yeah. or a combination of both? I'd have given exactly what that five by five gave him. Yeah. I'd have mimicked Got it. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, if yeah. he came into that five by five and what he was doing, I'd have mimicked that. Yeah, um, and then you got the distance cut on him. He's going to really feel threatened. Yeah, I mean, he's in your lap. Yeah. As as pointed that grunt tube behind me. I'd have sound that off, and I would have made sure. Then I stepped up. I might even made some noise as I'm doing it. Stepped up to where I have a better right. shooting lane, so that I didn't have to worry about him. I might have. I might have done that and drawn all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and see if I can get him to – because a lot of times when they're funneling, mm-hmm. do that, they'll turn broadside to try to see where that came from. And then you got your shot, yeah. you know. Even – I, I mean, if he's in within 12 yards, like mm-hmm. I said, man, if you can get him just to turn just a little bit, you got to do something. Like Garcia mm-hmm. Knox told me one time, do something. <laughs> they're gonna eat us yeah. <laughs> and, and, oh, that's know, hilarious that in on his first encounter when he said you know i could never get to him because the cows were between 
him and and me. That was yeah. At that point, I'm definitely throwing out some glunks. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm telling him, buddy, I'm on the tail end grabbing one of these girls. So yeah. 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 yeah I would have definitely done something to stand my ground as a bull. Yeah. Letting him know, like, I've got a line in the sand. I'm between you and your cows. I'm putting him on the defensive. I don't want him on the offensive with me trying to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. I'd be cutting him off. I would just, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fight time. Yeah. So I wouldn't be walking away. Look at, he says that, you know, he was at 60 yards, 60 yards, but he could not get a shot at the bull because the cows were between them. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm popping a few glunks. I'm doing a little moans and growing again. Breaking a tree. If you can't see Mm -hmm. the whole nine. Yep. Um, I'll give him credit. I'm, he's, he's, he's persistent staying on that yeah. thing, covering 2000 feet of territory those three times, you know, it is, you know, he's going to have some success. It's just, it's just building that knowledge gap that we all go through and, and cutting down on those things. And, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's successful this year. Well, and, and I, I want to tell you this yeah. too, Brady, you had three opportunities at it. I'm so aggressive. I might have only ended up with one opportunity because either it would have been made, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, who's to say? Um, I'm just that aggressive. But yeah. I, I would definitely. I always try to treat a situation like it's the last time I'm going to have that opportunity. We might have blew the seven by seven up, Joe, but that five by five would have been dead as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> I tell you that. Yep. So yeah, then the whole and the whole thing too is just a step or two difference. He may have he may have gotten that seven by seven. Yeah. You yeah. know, because he put himself in position and that's oh, that's man. hard to do. When he was seven, he says he was 25 yards from me and started walking directly at me because I was between the bulls. As soon as he's like I said, you got to do something when he's closing the distance on you. Number one, you got to draw and then you got to get him stopped, you know. And then once you get him stopped, you, you run to once you stop him with a hard cow call or bull bark or something like that, he's going to make a decision. And he'll stop, and then if he's going to start again, he's either going to turn one way or the other, or he's going to keep walking straight so, at that, So that's where I think you're being at full draw is a problem, though. I mean, you might be able to hold it for as long as it's going to take. Some people might have a, a difficulty doing that. True, true. You know? So, I mean. Well, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I've made my mind up, I'm going to shoot him frontal, I'm going to draw anyway. Right. 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 If, if I want him to turn, I'm probably going to wait for him to turn and then stop him. As and then drawing. Yeah. As yeah. Yep. Yep. You're going to scream a bugle and draw at the same time. He's going to stop and look at you, and that arrow is going to be off. So he said there that um, on his last case scenario where he had the cows that busted him, you know, you actually probably did the only thing, Brady, that you could do because I've done the exact same thing. I've had raghorns come around me when a bull's coming in, and, and they end up scenting you, and so you got to do something. And – the best thing is to tell the bull another bull scared him out of there. Um, but when you do that with an aggressive bull call, you risk that bull turning and leaving. So it's, it's a risk you take. I think it was a very educated risk when you, when you did that. I don't think it was because it was necessarily a roundup. I actually think a roundup 
would have pissed him off because remember a roundup bugle is not talking to the bulls talking to the cows so i think had you been in close proximity enough to scare some of his cows like you were hooking them or doing something and you gave a roundup bugle uh, I, I think that would have had a chance at bringing him in. So yeah. I, I don't think that was necessarily what did it for you. I think maybe how those cows went out and how that bull saw them go out, and maybe he was just going to go follow them because I've seen that too. Joe, what do you think about on this second scenario? I mean, they, they didn't get out of bed till really at daylight. And uh, what do you think about trying to get around, around him uh, before daylight and making a better move into him instead of being reactive uh, or being instead of being proactive, be reactive and get above him, closer to him, and then see where his destination is going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and maybe even earlier in that morning, do a little bit of uh, night, you know, gray light bugling and see if he's going to answer you, you know, see what kind of, kind of mood he's in there. Uh, yeah, you could add a distance, definitely add a distance. Yeah. You don't want to be in that proximity that's going to push him, but that's always right. something to do to find out. And then find out, well, is he going to do the same thing he did with that 5x5? Five five? Is he going to drop down and come in to defend? Because yeah. it almost seemed to me like this bull was not only a herd bull, but he was territorial. Yeah. And if a bull is territorial, then you have a whole lot better opportunity of getting him because he's going to come defend his territory as well. Um, I just think the earlier you can get out on them, the better you are to make uh, to make a a play. defensive play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's going to get on the offense pretty quick, and so you know his cows are going to want to be on the move, and and you can make a play. But you have Plan A, B, and C on him. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, no, right. he's going he's going to drop off off with him, or if he's going to, you know, if he's coming up to a destination, get above him, be waiting on him. Uh, I don't know. Like I said. I think the guy did a really good job. I like, too. like Eric said, I think he did a really good job. He just needs a few more tools in his belt, and he's, you know, he's killing that bull. Yeah, he was definitely working hard. There, yeah. there it, it had nothing to do with his persistence and his willingness <laughs> to work. So that's right. Uh, and I, but I want you guys to just, you guys listening, to remember that when you have a herd bull that's sounding off. Unless you are just dead set uh, against shooting anything but that herd bull, it is a great opportunity to get a satellite bull. And I will tell you, some of those satellite bulls can be bigger than the herd bull. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Shoot, I've seen some big old five by fives that were herd bulls and had sixes and seven by sevens with him, and they couldn't touch him. You know, we killed one of them. I mean, he whooped everything in the in the Dagum Valley. You know. Yeah. Well, I watched a five by five last year. I watched a five by five. Um, <clears throat> there was convergence happening to water in an evening. And this yeah. five by five would have another herd bull coming with his cows. He would go up into the trees <laughs> and come down with those cows. Then another <laughs> bull would come cows, man. He'd go off into the trees. <laughs> and come down with those cows. He started out with 20 cows, ended up with something like 100 cows, man. Wow. And, and, and you should have seen the bulls coming out of the trees. They were, yeah, this guy, he was just a, he was an old five by five. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he was actually in decline, but he knew how to friggin' put it on him, man. And Mm -hmm. the other bulls were big sixes, huge big sixes, and he was taking the cows. So those guys ended up being satellite bulls. So, yeah, don't don't think that satellite bulls mean uh, you're hunting spikes. All right. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yep. Um. I think we gave something there. I don't know, like, as far as calling strategies when you're solo, I think we pretty much told a lot, you know, talked about that. And even with a partner, you know, I think with a partner, if you're going to put the Mohican sneaking on him, the only thing a partner can do is basically maybe occupy him every now and then at a distance and get him to sound off, get him pissed off to rake or something like that. That's a possibility there. Uh but I think, yeah, I think too, it depends on the, like if that bull Joe is like, if, if you've got him answering you, I think it depends. If, like if you've been cow calling at him mm-hmm. and he's starting to get aggressive and maybe you're, because he's telling you to do something, he's saying, get your butt over here and you're not doing it. Well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to make a move on that bull. Cause he's going to take off. He's going to get tired of playing that game with you. So you can start just really getting aggressive and, and depending on a terrain again, but you could use that setup either solo or with a guy where you can, you know, just sit there and whine at him and, you know, covering that distance real quick on him. He's going to, he'll know you're there, but he's asking you for a reaction. He's telling you to do something. You can also it's going to be hard. Own, make your own party, you know? Yeah. You got your yeah, own. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and if you make your own, that's party, a great point, Gilbert. If, if yeah. you make your own party, what you're going to pull in is and is this. You're either going to pull his cows yeah, because, because they want to go to a, a bigger, better bull, bigger bull. Yep. or you're going to pull satellites. Yep. So. Got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing you got to be ready for because you're either going to create where you're pulling them off and then he either has to make a choice. Well, you'll know you you'll know if he's coming or if he's staying put. If he's if he's coming, you'll know, right? You'll know that it's working. If he's staying put, well, now you know what you got to do. You know, um, he's going to dictate how you're going to pull that off. Right. You know, we we've seen that time and time again. Bulls won't even be paying attention, and then you start talking like a herd, and oh hell, I want to be with them. You know, so for sure. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. I it, I think scenarios have their place because you know if you go into a herd and you're and you're trying to pull a cow off or you're trying to get close and threaten that bull, sometimes that can be harder because you're gonna you're gonna have tunnel vision and you're not gonna see those those satellites and they're gonna bust you or you might not see a cow. Whereas if you're putting on the show, you're the one that's and still and can see the yeah. movement coming into you and hear them yeah. coming into you as well. So, yeah, if if you don't know what scenarios we're talking about like that, that's basically we've done it as a group. You can do it with a single person, but you're making those uh, you're making cow noises. You're uh, where it's kind of herd talk. And then you're going to do some of those breeding noises. You're going to do yeah. uh, a bull that is wanting to breed a cow. And so you're going to hear the huffs, the glunks, the pants, the grunts. And and then sometimes to throw in a little bit of a lost calf or a lost yeah. cow that's away from that group, sometimes oh, yeah. can help that as well. So That's how you killed Luis's bull. Mm-hmm. Put on about a 30-minute opera up there like 45 yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah gotta have patience man paciencia right 
for sure. Right. Go ahead, Gilbert. No, I said for sure. Okay. Gotta have faith. Anything else on, on herd bulls before we go to the mailbox? As an elk hunter, I, I was the same way, Joe, when I first started out. R.C. Knox, I drove him nuts. You know, we wanted to kill a big bull. I don't know if it was necessarily needed to be a herd bull, but I had an idea of what I wanted to kill. And, uh, you know, we got that done. And now, guys, I just enjoy hunting all elk. It don't matter, you know, what. They're so such a majestic creature that and each one of them are so hard to hunt in their own right um when you get the opportunity as a as an archer as a a bow hunter uh you just aren't going to get tons of opportunities man you're going to blow up a lot of things because the wind's going to whip your tail and you know they're smart they stay alive in the woods you know they're everything out there is trying to eat them you know, their job, including <laughs> us, our, our, their jobs are to stay alive, you know, and uh, to keep their little ones alive and everything. So be, don't get hung up on kill a herd bull, not killing one of them satellites, man. It's fulfilling. I promise you guys, you know, if you've never killed a bull, don't turn your nose up at one of them older satellite bulls. Cause I'm telling you, they're just as wary as them old herd bulls and, and uh and it's extremely gratifying to get it done with a bow all of them are trophies My, yeah. the smallest bull i ever killed is a trophy and I, I was talking to the hunt wars guys today and you know i was like man i'm telling you fellas if if we come out of this season having to do a shoot off i'm coming after all of them man because I, mm-hmm. I was like you know do not pass a bull rc you taught me this a long time ago do not pass a bull on day one that you're going to shoot on day seven, you know, because you might not have that opportunity again. I think one of choked me out. I promise you. What's that, RC? I think one of the things that uh, that's good about all of this is that we're uh, you got a toolbox and we're filling it up full of different scenarios, different things that you know, oh, he, he took off. Well, pull something out of your toolbox and think about what else would you do now? What, what would I do next? Rather than say, oh, it's over. You know, we've got a toolbox full of different ideals and calls and, and ways to, to get that herd bull. If you're determined and like this guy here, he had three, three different chances. That's awesome. Yeah, well, Nano's got a tiny little purse. Where did that get from? You gotta say something all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, and all I want to I want to leave you guys that you really are set on that herd bull. If you want the best situation and the best time, you need to get between a herd bull and his cows. Um, if you do that, you're in good position, and you do that by paralleling, not by following, and get in them on midday. You're either going to stalk them while they're sounding off silently, you're going to do it by getting in between them, or you're going to get that bull while he's got his cows bedded. And, and there's other situations and ways to do that because elk hunting has got so many variables, but those are great situations right there to be able to get an opportunity at that herd bull. Okay. So, Joe, if, if you had, in your opinion, if you had a situation where you were going to, you were trying to, you wanted to kill a herd bull, would it be early, 
midday when he's bedded or late in the evening. If you had your choice between those three and you could pick your scenario, which one would you pick? Great question. Um, a herd bull, it would be midday. Yeah. That'd be that 11 between 11 and two o'clock bull. Slip in there only beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, would you be playing a scenario? I mean, how would in your mind, how do you try to work that? So if I can get eyes on them when they're bedded, it depends. Right. I'm, I'm going to read my wind. I'm going to read my wind because um, I got to know where the wind is because I need to see where the bull is in placement and in proximity to the cows. If he's in proximity where I can get around with the wind in my favor and have him closer to me than the cows so that I don't have to deal with all those eyes, then I might try slipping in on him. If I see that's a situation where they're in the, you know, they do that circle or everywhere, yeah. you know, you've seen that circle, right? If I see that, I'm backing off and I'm finding the best setup situation yeah. using the terrain or using the vegetation and i'm putting on a scenario man i'm gonna i'm gonna make him come look for the other guy that has a hot cow so i'm gonna get him to stand up and come to me and and if it probably use a lot of racking on the tree i'll use rate i'll start out with some cow noises i'll introduce some low guttural bull stuff i love the glunks i'll do some raking you know and then i'm going to shut up and listen for him coming in and here's the thing if he doesn't come in that first 20 minutes or he doesn't come in that 30 minutes big deal he's going to be there for six hours Mm -hmm. give it some time Maybe move off a little bit so you're not in the same place. Pick another setup scenario that works for you, but try to stay on his level. Try to stay either below him or on his level so that he feels dominant and secure, all right, and not having to waste energy. A bull that, you know, we've called them up a hill, right? We've called them Absolutely. But bulls don't want to go up and be in a position where they're expending energy down it's below. going back to saving energy like you yeah. guys said earlier yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely and i'm getting very lucky just to listen to the scenario that you're painting right now <laughs> well, i want i want to give one other thing man we talk about what calls to use in a in a situation like that of calling a herd bull and and not because not because he's got his own podcast or his own app out there but paul Medell, yes sir he would show you the calls to use in certain scenarios uh where you got a bull hung up or you got a, a herd bull you're calling to <clears throat> and he is one of the best at setting up scenarios and teaching you where to where to use your calls and what type to to use uh if you guys don't know it's called the elk nut app and I mean, I've learned so much just listening to his logic about elk talk, right? And what herd bulls want to do and how they want to talk. So, you know, if y'all can, you know, with this three scenarios, I think if he would go and listen to Paul Medell and, and how to make those sounds, it'll help him a lot, you know, yep. and yep. know what sounds to make in those in those scenarios. And if he's got a if he's got a soloist with him, he's yeah. that's quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and look, I mean, you know, even our base camp, Joe. I mean, if he'll go to base camp and check that out, that'll help him as well. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I give videos of all the different sounds and the yeah. calls, and yeah. 
And what I try to do, it's like when I was talking to my guys today, and I call them my guys, uh, the, the Hunt Wars competitors. That's, that's, they're all my team right now, and uh, I just want all of them to be so successful. But, you know, when I'm talking to them uh, about stuff like that, I, you know, I want to give them and make them understand that if they can do a basic cow call and they can do a basic bugle, then they really can do any call. Oh, heck know? yeah. And, and it's really, I mean, we take it for granted sometimes, but it's really, the hardest part is learning just that volume, air control, and, and tongue mm-hmm. pressure. Once you have that, then it's easy to add the, uh, it's easy to yeah. add the voice and the, uh, yeah. and the uh, like that. And books. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, um, it, it's not hard for, for you guys. I mean, the hardest part is it's like anything it's like if you're going to become a distance runner the hardest part is that early part trying to get your body used to running distance you know if you're going to be a weightlifter it's like trying to get over that hump to getting in there so you know it's like anything once you get so that diaphragm is is comfortable i mean rc you've gone back to using the diaphragm chad's been using one um and i know i think you're sneakily working on one aren't you man back there you're just not letting <laughs> i got a sore i got a surprise for you guys you all got, right oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh uh, it, w- it won't be a surprise i bought a huchi mama <laughs> no, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, God. Here I thought I was going to say, yeah. At, at, least, at, at least that's better than what I expected. I expected like a speaker with some sort of recording to it that he was going to carry around. That would be a good idea. Do the wife and then push the button for that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah put it on a, speaker. That would yeah. be a, a good idea. Yeah. It's an efficient <laughs> idea. All right, guys, let's go to the mailbox so we can do this. Chav. Okay, this is from uh, Tim in Canada. He says, hey, guys, listening, uh, love listening, man. I'm on episode 119 about fighting elk. My question is, have you noticed a correlation between other animals and birds in locating elk? Let crow are calling or squirrels chattering. When I am fly fishing, I am watching the bugs flying in the air. I look to see where the eagles are perched in the trees. Know what I mean? Have you noticed anything like that or opposite? If the crows are calling, there are no elk, for example. Or similarly, if you see bear tracks, you won't see elk tracks, for example. Cheers, Tim. What have you noticed, chap? Well, uh, I noticed that uh, the chipmunks sometimes tell you that there's something around. Uh, or birds, or oh. birds just flying up in the air. Of course, it could be a predator too, not necessarily an elk. But uh, I have noticed that. Anybody yeah. else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, squirrels will let you know. Uh, I, we do a lot of deer hunting here in Texas, and when a squirrel pipes out, there's you know one of three things: either you know you've got a, a predator coming in your area, or you know deer walking around. Same thing with elk. I've heard them sound off and you know that something's approaching. So, yeah, I mean, it's a really good correlation for you to be on your toes and listening to all the sounds that the, that the little chipmunks make. And, the, the, uh, you know, you'll hear them. They'll bark at you as you're walking through the woods. Yeah. You know. Of course, you guys all have been out there where it's real quiet and you're listening and you can't hear no squirrels or nothing, and all of a sudden you hear this thump, thump. 
Bump, bump. Oh my gosh, he's coming. He's coming. I can hear him. He's coming, you know. And it's a stupid squirrel in the tree throwing his pine cones <laughs> on the ground. Yeah. 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 And I'll give you something that most people don't think of, but uh, I can remember early on when I used to ride a horse while I was elk hunting. Is that if you watch oh, yeah, that you horse's know. head? Oh, yeah, let you know. That yeah. horse will see and hear. Oh, yeah. Way for you do. Yep. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, a horse can be a buddy. And for some reason, elk do not respond to people on horseback like they do a, a person walking. It's a whole yeah. different deal. So as long as you yeah. can stay on the horse, right? <laughs> yeah, falling off, it's a pain in the butt. Yes. Yeah. There, there's <laughs> no col, no colita to grab on those elk, man. That's right. <laughs> it's both. all right. We'll just. We'll just get a bull tail and we'll just hand it to him and have him hold on yeah. to it. We're gonna, He'll we're be all right. A couple of horses and then they want to walk. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be a tail and be a rider's whip. I you know, one of the things I have heard, one of the things I have heard, Joe, is uh, those crows will be your lead. Uh, finders when you got a downed elk and you've given him some time to go in there and and expire you listen for those birds because they'll be sounding off around that elk carcass for sure Uh, they like to congregate around that buzzards as well yeah Yeah, you end up if you end up not being able you're not able to find an animal you definitely just wait a little bit and let those birds get on them because those we found my bull last year Mm -hmm. Yep. yep absolutely we used buzzards last year wasn't it yeah, yeah, buzzards. Because buzzard can smell those molecules of that decaying flesh miles yes. in the air, man. So yes, they they'll tell you. Um, but those crows, it it really only takes about four or five hours for those birds to find a critter and, and be on them. And just listen because they fight yeah, they each do other. It for a living. Yeah, they yeah. start cackling and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. You betcha. Guys, another fantastic episode. Uh, you know, always cool to get the get the lowdown from the showdown. I mean, you got Joe Gillia telling you how to kill these herd bulls. The one and only RC Knox sharing us with dropping his wisdom on us. I mean, these guys have killed more herd bulls than we'll ever look at in our lives. So, uh, if you only knew the number that RC Knox has seen in his life, it's uh, mm. it'll stagger you. Um, so if you guys like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple podcast or iTunes to review us. And you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I N F O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in Texas, but I'm in Oklahoma tonight, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Yeah. And everybody, we're going to close the show out with music from our buddy, Tony Wintrip. Look, we've been trying to introduce you to him. If you like what you're hearing, go to bulldownproductions.com. All one word, bulldownproductions.com. Go buy you a CD. Show Tony some love, man. Peace, peace, everybody. Peace. The man on top of the world didn't fall there. 
he knew how to earn his keep with a wall there. He could look anyone in the eye, never was afraid of goodbye. His strength was unimaginable. Through the darkest winter storm, never was above the norm. Never done it, he would tell you so. Never complain, it's the way life goes. The man on top of the world didn't fall there. You can see his veins through his t shirt, determination on his face. Never heard of the word failure, never criticized a risk. That's how I 